Hey, I'm Elisha Voberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Hey everyone, welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. This is episode two. Katie, well done on making it to episode two. Yay, we made it. Yes, we did. And uh, this has been actually so far a really good winter for Katie and I. It's December now and we just had our first snow here in Bend. I know, it's kind of crazy. It's taken this long for it to snow. And it was just a couple inches too. It was. It was a light, light snow, but it was still the real deal. I remember, I mean, when I took the garbage out uh, this morning in my bare feet, I realized quickly that I'm going to have to start putting shoes on from now on when I go to take the garbage out. That brings back memories of being a kid and seeing who could stay outside the longest barefoot. Yeah. why? It's so funny that we play games like that because it's painful. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's because I, what, how far is it to our garbage can? Do you think it's like uh... 30 feet? Maybe? No, no, it's probably like. 50 feet. Okay. I'm 50 feet. Distances. It's like 50 feet to our garbage can. And I ran out there and I almost started panicking on the way back because you start <laughs> wondering if you're even going to survive. Do you ever think about like getting stuck out in the cold? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that would be brutal. Totally. All the Louis L'Amour books that I read where they get stranded out in blizzards like mean so much more to me now after bringing the garbage out to the garbage can and bare feet i'm cold right now sitting in a gigantic blanket so yeah folks well we're pretty excited about today's episode because the topic of today's episode is our biggest lessons learned from having two children in our first two years of marriage Yep, that's right. We've had two children. Um, We're pregnant with our third, and we've been married for two and a half years now, which we're pretty excited about. We ended up getting pregnant on our honeymoon, although that wasn't always the plan. Was it, Katie? No, it wasn't. So because I came from a family of 11, and Elisha is one of 10, a lot of people assumed that we were naturally just going to have kids right off the bat and have big families. But We talked about it, and even though we did want quite a few more kids than is probably normal or average, we thought we'd want to wait at least a year. That's right. And I think both my parents and Katie's parents went really out of their way to make sure that we didn't feel any pressure from them to to have children right away or to have a certain number. Um, they, they know that that's just a personal decision between the married couple, you know, that's, that's their decision to make. And so I'm really grateful that both my parents and Katie's parents, uh, made it clear that they had no expectations for, (laughs) you know, grandkids right away. Uh, nonetheless, I, you know, like, like Katie said, we had talked about waiting a year or even two. And, um, some of the reasons for that were just maybe saving money. We thought we'd be able to save more money without having children. We thought we'd be able to travel. Maybe we, we had aspirations to travel Europe like so many young couples do. Yeah. I think even, you know, that cultural, that cultural opinion that 
you need to spend time getting to know each other before yeah. you have kids was still, you know, in the back of our minds for sure, because we didn't date for that long before we got married. That's true. It's funny looking back now. Um, we were just talking about this, that about that this evening when we were on a walk as a family, how, when we look back to our wedding day, if it seems like we didn't know each other at all, at all. Compared, oh my goodness. Compared to now. It's pretty <laughs> funny. It's kind of comical. Um, and so I think that was way, that was in the back of our mind. We thought maybe we needed to spend some more quality time with just the two of us to be able to really grow in our marriage and get to know one another. So even though we had that conversation and we had those thoughts, I think it was day three of our honeymoon. Yeah. Okay. This is literally what happens. Okay. So basically I was sitting next to Elisha and he was like, you know, Katie, I'd love to be a dad. Yep. And I was like, we talked about this. Um, I didn't have, you know, any hard or fast rules. So I was like, well, if you want to get pregnant, then I guess we could start trying. I, I didn't care. Right. Um, so that was kind of a quick decision. Yep. And we got pregnant, I think, the next week. That's right. And I think that you can probably speak to this a little bit more, Katie, because you didn't have necessarily the expectation to be able to get pregnant right away. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't. And I think that's a good expectation to have going into marriage is you just don't know. And you see some people, they get pregnant really quickly. And my parents actually had, because I came from a big family, they didn't want me to assume that I could naturally have children right. easily or quickly. And yeah. so my mom tried to counterbalance that thought process I might've had that, oh, you know, I'm just going to have tons of babies because my mom did. And she said, Katie... Anytime I said, oh, when Elisha and I have kids, she said, well, if you get to have kids. But she said it so many times that I started thinking I, like, was not going to be able to have kids right. for some reason. Right. So I thought it was going to take us a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, I think I was under this. I just didn't know. I was like, how do you, there's no way to guarantee that you're going to be able to get yeah. pregnant. And so when we, I guess, started trying, you know, shortly into our marriage there on our honeymoon, I had no expectations of being able to get pregnant right away. Uh, I mean, we were still figuring stuff out. I don't know if we were trying to get pregnant as much as just trying to make things work. I'm glad you think that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so about four weeks after we were married, Katie told me that we were pregnant. I was thrilled. Katie was thrilled. Um, but at the same time, we understood there were some pretty dramatic implications to that. You know, we had this this clock starting. The nine-month clock mm -hmm. had began. And I think that kind of kicked us into gear. Yeah, I think it was actually one of the best things that could have happened for our marriage. Yeah. So, Katie, what, um, since we're going to be talking about some of our biggest lessons learned, what's, what's one lesson that comes to your mind? Well, I think... Children bond a marriage like few things can. It really expediates oneness and yes. unity in a marriage. Um, it expediates your maturity. Because yes. instantly, like you said, we had a nine-month clock. We weren't just sitting around wondering what we could do with our time at that point. And um, I think that it's sped up just that shared dream, that shared vision. We instantly had a project, yes. you know, a person that was you and me. Right. And right. we couldn't separate that. That's right. You can't separate a child from, you know, the father or the mother. It's going to be a part of both parents. That's right. It's, it's, whole life. it's a product of you and of me. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so I think it's just a beautiful picture of the oneness that God intended for marriage to be. And I think it also really encouraged our dependence on each other in a mm. very healthy way. Yes. I needed you in more emotionally. I needed you more in so many ways. Yes. Um, and you 
had a greater appreciation for me too. Right. And I think we both, we both appreciated each other a lot. You're right. Because of the child. So to me, it just really helped unify our marriage and strengthen it. That's so good. And I, and I would agree with you a hundred percent on that because when I think about, um, you know, maybe not having a child right away, there still is a lot of, um, individualism within Mm -hmm. the marriage. And I'm grateful that we, like you said, we are forged to, or we are kind of forced to start acting as one. And even though the Bible says you are one, a lot of times you don't always act as one when you're married. And I think that becoming pregnant really solidified that, hey, this is us. This is our child. This is our thing that we're working towards together. And I couldn't agree more with you. And I think even over those nine months, I mean, we had his friends and her friends and his schedule and her schedule. It's just naturally more divided. Right. Before you have a child depending on you. Right. So... I don't know. I just think it's super healthy though for a married couple to need each other more than just physically because up until we had a child, we really were pretty independent aside from needing each other. That's right. That's right. And I think that that's a little bit counterintuitive to what culture says. Culture really glamorizes remaining an individual, even in marriage, which is a hundred percent contrary to what God wants from a marriage. He says, no, you're no longer Katie and Elisha, you're now one under the the Godhead, you know, and under Jesus Christ. And and so having that practical thing of a, of a pregnancy to really, like you said, forge that oneness, I, I couldn't agree more, was a huge blessing to us right from the beginning. I think something that I learned from getting pregnant right away was the importance of who your peers are. You know, the importance of peer pressure. And I've, I I think, Katie, you probably hear me say a lot that peer pressure is inevitable. I think we always hear peer pressure in a negative context when you're thinking of raising kids and who they're going to be spending their time around, who, what, what the other kids are like and what those influences are. But I've come to see it as being inevitable. You're going to be influenced by the people that you're around. So when you have moments of objectivity, select those people with wisdom. When you think about your goals for 10 and 20 and 30 years down the road, look at who you're hanging out with and ask yourself honestly, are these people going to help me achieve my goals and help me be the person that I want to be? Or are they going to hinder me from becoming the person that I want to be? And I think when you and I became, when we became pregnant, Uh, shortly after getting married, we really wanted to, we sought out and we wanted to put ourselves around people that viewed family in a positive light. Mm -hmm. And we were blessed to have both of our families be extremely supportive and excited that we were getting pregnant right away. Yes. And that is a huge blessing that I think is so rare because often some of the biggest animosity can come just from our families. Oh, we know. Yeah. We have many friends uh, that we're close to that are sometimes nervous to tell their parents. Yeah, that's so sad. Yeah, when they get pregnant. And so Katie and I are both so grateful that we just have, you know, both both of our parents were just huge fans of us. You know, they were so stoked when we told them that we were pregnant. And likewise, I think of the church that we go to now. Yep. When we say we're pregnant, no one goes oh, well, is that a good decision? Or are you guys prepared for that? You guys should have waited. It's just pure celebration and pure joy. And that mindset is such a blessing for parents. And it's 
the mindset that I want to have when someone says they're pregnant. Yes, that's right. It is just a blessing. It is a gift from God and it's a miracle. And so when somebody's initial reaction is that, it really helps form your expectations. And I think that you can really get out of parenting and get out of having a family what you expect to get out of it. And what you, and what you expect to get out of it is oftentimes how much you invest into it. And I think since Katie and I, since we were intentional about putting ourselves around people that talked about family in a positive light and that viewed having children in a very positive way, we, by the time we had Leon, we were excited. We were excited for that season of life. We were excited to thrive as parents. And, um, and I just couldn't be more grateful for those people in our life that are, that are still in our life and that are still encouraging to us when it comes to starting a family. And you know, Elisha, you say positive way, and I think ultimately it's the biblical way, Yes, honestly, to view children. Children are a blessing, and it's our culture that views them as a bump in the road mm. or a glitch in the plan. Yes. God created, like you've mentioned before, children to be a natural result of physical intimacy. Right. And so it's a very normal, exciting thing when a couple gets married mm. and they decide to have a baby. Right. That's so good. Yeah, I think... Shortly after we found out we were pregnant with Lucy, which was right after, you know, we gave birth to Leon, uh, we told somebody and it wasn't a Christian friend. It was, um, I think it was our landlord actually. <laughs> and I, I, we told him we were expecting our second child and he was like so surprised cause we just had Leon and he goes, well, I guess you get your, get your two speed bumps out of the way, you know, right away. And then you can move on with life. And I was like, I thought about how that's, that attitude is so prevalent in our culture. I mean, actually, he wasn't the only person that said things like that. When we would tell people, and it still happens to this day, when we tell people how close Leon and Lucy are, they'll say things like, oh, we'll just get him out of the way closely like that, and then you can move on with life. I think especially since we had a boy and a girl. Yes. They just assume we had our two kids and we're done. That's right. And uh, just that term speed bump implies that okay it's slowing you down it's hindering you from your goals and uh, that is that could be that couldn't be further from the truth for me and i know it's not for you either katie yes so another thing that i learned is that it's easier to adapt earlier in life earlier in the season just earlier yes you're <laughs> the so right earlier you adapt the better because you just don't have those ruts yep i mean when elisha and i we have talked about this a lot, but when we got married, everything was new. Yes. And then we got pregnant and my body started changing. Right. And everything was still new. Yes. It stayed new. Right. And I just think that that is, and I think that made it so much easier on us, yes. honestly, because having a baby would have been a way bigger deal if I had had to leave a career hmm. or a lifestyle that we were used to. Sure. If we were used to certain things like, you know, going out all the time or I don't know. Yeah. Or if you were used to hanging out with your girls all the time and I was used yeah. to hanging out with the guys all of the time. Or if I had, you know, a big career salary, yes, that would have been big if yes. I decided to come home. You right. Know? Or right. I even think of, you know, you mentioned peers. If I'm around a bunch of other working women who are childless and then I decide to have a baby, right. that's a really big deal. And yes. all of a sudden I would have felt very isolated yep. in that decision. Right. And so I think us just choosing to get pregnant right away, we connected with other people who were yep. also starting families right away yes. and you're able to establish those connections. So wow. I think it can actually be a lot easier, honestly, to adapt 
when you have a baby sooner rather than later, it was for us. Yes. A hundred percent. Especially when you use those examples of having a career and the people that you're spending your time with are other young professionals that are not having children. You would feel lonely and isolated. And I think actually a lot of women do feel that way. Yeah. You hear from a lot of women that they feel they lost their identity when they became a mom. And that's a big struggle for a lot of women. And I think it made it just so much easier to adapt to my identity or role or whatever you want to call it as a mother. Right. And honestly, when we think about it, regardless of at what time we choose to have our children, we're going to be parents for a very large chunk of our lives. Yes. Hopefully the majority of our lives. Right. Right. That's so true. And when you talked about adapting, it's funny because I think that a lot of people wait for the right time to have a child. I, I hear that phrase all over, yes. all, all, all of the time, where people are, are waiting for the right time. And I honestly don't know, first off, when's a good time and when's a bad time? Like, that's so well, confusing to me. In our marriage, I don't think there was a right time to have a baby. Like, yes. when we look back over our seasons, yes. you know, there was no perfect time to have a baby. Right. So basically, had we have known what had we have known what was going to transpire in the next two or three years of our marriage, we would have said there's no way having a baby is a good, it's a good, it's, there's no way it's a good time yes. to have a baby. Uh, yes. But we did have a baby. And did we ever regret it? Absolutely. Yeah. When you go through the trying seasons with a child, you're going through the trying seasons, but you have a child. And so it's that much better. So I think another kind of like cultural lie is that there's the perfect time to have a child or that there's the right time to have a child um, or that there's a wrong time to have a child. I really Mm -hmm. do think that the Lord knows our state. He knows our situation and he will bless us accordingly. And for us, it has been a huge blessing having our kiddos through every season we've gone through in our marriage. Oh, a hundred percent. You're so right. Okay. I'm going to move on to the fourth point. Okay. Those were three, three pretty good points. Should we state what the points are? Yeah. Yeah. So for a recap, uh, the first lesson learned was that children bonds marriage more powerfully than any other thing. The second point was that you have to pick your peer pressure with objectivity and with intention. And the third thing is that it's easier to adapt the earlier you start. Now, the fourth point that, and this is kind of personal to me, but I think Katie can agree with it, is that having a child early on really gave me long-term vision like I had never had before. Prior to having a child, I would think maybe six months down the road or a year down the road. And that's even kind of what our game planning was when we got married. We were excited Mm -hmm. about maybe saving up for a trip to Europe where we were excited about saving up to buy a house, but they were all very like six month or a year and a half long goals. Whereas when I, when, when you gave birth to Leon, I literally instantly started thinking 10 and 20 years down the road versus one or two years down the road. And as a result, it made me start being far more intentional as to how I was spending my time in the day in and day out basis. It's crazy just how having an infant, you automatically start seeing who you're going to be when that child's 10 years old. And I start viewing my habits now as being something that just realizing that those habits are going to be passed on to my son. So would I be proud of my son spending his free time the way I spend my free time? Would he, would I be proud of my son talking to, you know, his mother the way, you know, 
I'm talking to his mother. Um, and so it really helped me start to see, I guess, the true ramifications of my behaviors and what the long-term impact of those decisions were going to be. And as a result, having a long-term vision has made my present day so much more enjoyable. It's funny to think back, um, like I said, to, to one when I was single and I had very short term, a very short-term mindset that I wouldn't commit to anything probably like three months down the road. If people asked me to go on a trip or if they asked me to play a concert that was three months out. I totally relate to that. I was like, I don't know if I want to commit to that. And then getting married, I think my, my long-term vision became a little bit longer. But then truly having, having a child gave me that long-term vision um, as to who, who do I want to be when I'm 50 years old and 75 years old and 100 years old? And what kind of legacy do I want to pass on to these children? Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And I think that's such an important mindset to have with anything. Cause obviously with parenting, you want to have that long-term mindset, but it carries over into business. I know that for a fact, I didn't stick with any business project that I started prior to having children for longer than what, like eight months, you know, like I would start a business and then maybe in eight months I would get bored. And so I'd move on. But anybody that's in business knows you're not going to see any substantial fruition after eight months. You know, the real payoff comes years down the road. And that's so similar to when you're raising children, you don't get to see the real payoff of your labor and of your effort until years down the road, every day, might feel the same where you're changing diapers and and feeding kids, but then you wake up years down the road and everything is different. And what you see years down the road is a result of what you've been doing every day leading up to that point. And so I think being able to gain that mindset has affected every area of my life, not Mm -hmm. just parenting. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned travel and I think sometimes we have such a short term mindset when it comes to things like travel. Yeah. I mean, my parents have been married for 25 years and they just went on their first trip to Europe, Yep. but it was two weeks long and they loved it. They were able to like really blow it out of the water, I guess, because they had the funds and the finances to do it at that stage, but also throughout their whole married lives. And this goes for your parents too. They took getaways and they took time to travel. Right. And I remember my parents going to Canada, you know, for four days when I think I was like 10. And I think of that even in our relationship, You know, we have been married for two years. We have two little kids. Yeah. But during that time, I mean, we have gone to Maui for an extended vacation with just you and I. Yeah. And we went to Cancun this October for four days. That's true. Just us. And I think sometimes we have that thought process of, oh, no, if we don't do it now, these four kids, we're never going to do it. Right. And I think it's such a more exciting mindset to have that long-term mindset of how do we work this into our whole lives with kids? Because honestly, it sounds kind of dull to travel in the first, you know, three to five years of your marriage and then not travel again until your kids are raised. Yes. No, you're totally right. Yeah. I guess having a child early on, it made me feel like I was almost getting this new lease on life. I felt young again and I felt like I had so much more life to live. And that makes me think of another one of my biggest takeaways from having two kids in our first two years of marriage. And that's just the mindset of making the most out of each season. Hmm. Because there's a flip side to every coin. There's always something positive in a season and there's always something negative in a season. Yes. And so I just think that whole mindset of 
don't just get through it. Hmm. Try to strategize and come up with ways to thrive through yes. the seasons. Yes. I mean, because it's your entire life. Right. It's before you get married. It's college. It's work. Sure. It's relationships. Sure. Yeah. You mean if it's not children that yeah. you're trying to get through, it's, it's something, something else. else. Right. And then once you do have your kids, I mean, if you're just trying to get through the newborn stage right. where you're up all night or the stage where they're teething. Right. Or... At two years old, when they start to exert their will, you know, you have teens, you have college age kids, you're trying to coach kids through dating and getting into a stable marriage relationship. Then you're dealing with in-laws and like, there's just always going to be challenges in life. Mm. And we've talked about this before, but one thing that really helped when we had kids was just, it really helped me embrace that growth mindset. Yes. And because things were constantly changing from the get-go, you just had to embrace growing and changing and being outside of your comfort zone. Wow. That's so good. I think it was literally like a week ago, I was loading Leon into his car seat. And anybody that's a parent knows it's a way bigger deal to go anywhere when you're loading up children. (laughs) Yes. You've got to get them dressed. You've got to get yourself dressed. You've got to get them in their car seats, get them all buckled in, and then you're good to go. And I can remember I was putting Leon in his car seat and I don't know if there's ever a kid that like loves getting buckled into their car seat. So he's kind of like uncomfortable and kind of fighting it a little bit. Let us know if your kid does. Yeah. And I, uh, and I was strapping him in and I kind of almost found myself having that mindset of, I can't wait until the car seat season is over. Like it'll be so nice when we can just get into the car, uh, without having to load kids into a car seat. And I caught myself and I thought, boy, how silly is that? I mean, if the Lord blesses us with children, I'll be putting kids into car seats for years and years to come, which I'm excited about. But like you already said, if it's not putting a child into a car seat, it's going to be, you know, taking, it's going to be talking to a talk, you know, it's going to be coaching my son through dating or through liking girls, you know, or through adolescence. And there's always challenges in our life. And a sign of growth isn't a lack of challenge. It's having new challenges. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think two years ago, you know, prior to having Leon, we didn't have the challenge of loading up two kids into the car. But that's a new challenge for us, and that's a sign of growth. And so I always want to have challenges in my life, but I want them to be new and growing challenges because that is a sheer sign of growth. And I think, too, when you're making the most of each season, it doesn't mean you're saying no to things you want to do. And I mean, sometimes you do for certain seasons, but I'm going to bring up my family as an example again, because I do feel like I had an awesome example and I brought this up before, but skiing, you know, my dad loved to ski and a lot of people thought that that was going to stop once Hmm. they had six, seven, eight kids because skiing's really expensive. And so, but there's just ways to do it. There's ways to make the most of the season. And we found a free ski week on a little hill up in Washington. That's right. We bought our ski gear at Ski Swaps. And we would hand it down each year as you would grow out of your size of skis. You'd move up and the next kid would get your skis. Yep. And they just found a way to make it work. Yes. And I guess that's kind of the mindset I really want to have in parenting is not... Let's just get through having kids, then we can go on our ski vacations, and we can do stuff. It's, you know, we're going skiing next week. Right. How do you work your dreams and your goals and what you want into this season now? Yeah, you and I are going skiing next week. Yeah, you and I. Yeah, I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. I'm really excited about that, too. That kind of leads into the next point I want to make. Is this a good time for that, Katie? 
Yeah. All right. Um, the next lesson that I want to talk about that I've learned is that embracing parenthood is not synonymous with forsaking fun. And I think that I always, because I grew up with a dad that really spoke highly of children and spoke highly of being a father, I always knew that being a father was an extremely, I guess, privileged position. And it was a very valuable position. And so I never questioned whether or not the work of a father was valuable and, and worthy of effort. But I sometimes was guilty of thinking that I had to say goodbye to many fun things in my life. And I, and I, once again, I think culture definitely portrays that they, they really portray your single years as being when you're free and liberated and able to say yes to whatever you want to say yes to. And you say no to anything you don't want to do. Um, and it's just fun, fun, fun. And you know, it's funny cause I, I, I experienced a little bit of that. I think the year prior to our marriage, mm -hmm. when I was living here in Bend and I was able to ski all winter, I played all summer and it was fun. I was living in a bachelor pad, paying like $200 a month in rent <laughs> and making enough money to really just have that stereotypical, I think, fun that people speak of when you're young and single. That said, since being married, it's not like I stopped having a desire to go skiing or to play basketball, or to float the river, or to go rock climbing, or to fill in the blank of whatever it was that I enjoyed doing. I still have the desire to do all of those things. That said, I have to be more creative in how I do them. And so, for instance, instead of being able to every morning during the winter get up and go skiing, I have to be a lot more thoughtful as to when I'm going skiing and what's remarkable. And, and this is something that I think I did not foresee happening is that me going skiing two or three times a year with you as my wife is so much more fulfilling than me getting my 44 days of skiing. And you know, when I was single and I mean that Aww. like there's people use the word compromise and I don't like using that word because I think there's a negative connotation with it. Like you're losing something. And I just don't think that when you get married and then you have children and then you say no to certain things that you said yes to as a single person, compromise isn't the right word. Like, cause would I ever trade you and my children for going back to being single and being able to ski every day? I hope not. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's not a question. There, that's not even a question. I came out ahead on this whole deal. And so I feel like I'm a winner. I'm not a comp. I don't, I didn't compromise anything. I just gained everything. And so now when I get my two or three days of skiing in, I love it. And when I get to play basketball, you know, whatever, every other week, I love that. Or when I have my quick 45 minutes to get a workout in, I make the most out of it. And so I think that really going into, and it's funny because I found myself a little bit at a crossroads. I think you remember the season, Katie. I do remember the season. Was it actually, help me, was it right before you gave birth to Lucy? I think it was right after Lucy. Okay. Yeah. So the postpartum season. <laughs> yeah. That was... That kind of was a ringer for us. Yeah. It, it honestly was. It was right after we had Lucy. So I think Lucy was about three weeks old. And so it was our second child. And I got a text from a buddy. And it was a bluebird day up at the mountain with fr with fresh powder. And he said, hey, we're going up to the mountain. Like, it'd be fun if you could join us. And um, obviously, I, it just wasn't a good time for me to go because Katie, we, were, we had this newborn baby. And so I texted him that. And I just found myself sitting in the living room kind of getting depressed, thinking like, okay, is this, mm -hmm. is this it? Is this the next... 15 years of my life, just hunkering down, fighting, scratching and clawing to pay the bills, you know, maybe not being in as good of shape as I ever wanted, as I always wanted to be not being able to go, you know, skiing with the guys, not being, and you, and I started seeing all the things 
that I was missing and I, I was failing to see everything that I did have. Now, again, I don't want you to think that just having a child and being able to change poopy diapers and feed kids, you know, spaghetti and clean up after them. It's your new version of fun. Yeah, exactly. That's not at all what I'm saying. I don't I don't love changing poopy diapers and I don't love getting up with Leon in the middle of the night. But the fruit of those things is far more fulfilling than going skiing. I still love going skiing. I don't know if I'm articulating this very well. Um, but I guess I still love fun. But I love it in a far more, I guess, profound way because I see it as being something that really fuels me for, for this work of being a father that is so much more important than, than the, any work I ever did as a single person. And I think you're saying, too, you didn't completely give up fun things. No. Like, you know, you go play basketball, but maybe it's at 6 a.m. Right. While the kids are sleeping. That's right. Or, you know, you go to a men's fire pit night. But it's, you know, once a month instead of once a week. And so those things are more limited, but you value them more. Yes. And, and you do experience a blessing of having a family. A hundred percent. Yes. That's, that's totally it. I, I really, and I, and I don't see that changing. I mean, I know we're praying with our third child and, and, um, and things can totally change, but I do think it's a little bit of an expectation thing because I've seen your father do it. I've seen my father do it where you just have to become more disciplined and creative to fulfill some of these desires that are on your heart while having children, but you do it with your family and you do it, you know, while you're being a father. And so it's that much more meaningful. Yeah. I mean, Leon and Lucy and I love going to your basketball games Yes, and I really admire the way that you're still attractive. You work out. There's nothing close to a dad body going on here, guys. No, I'm, fi- <laughs> I'm fighting the dad bod. Nothing close. And I think that's really inspiring to me because you have always wanted to be a fit athletic guy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have wanted to be a guy that gets up early and then it's disciplined and you haven't let those ideals go by the wayside mm. just because you have become a father. Yes. And that's really inspiring for me too, because I do, obviously there are those days, you know, kind of like today, honestly, <laughs> where you just kind of feel a little strung out and bedraggled and you don't feel like your perky self, but I still want to put effort into looking attractive yes. for Elisha and not letting that go right. and having other hobbies and things that I still find interesting to yes. me. And you can still a hundred percent pursue that- desires of your heart. Yes, a hundred percent. And uh, Katie, I think you and I can really relate on this and that you and I kind of like stiffen our back every time we hear somebody say, well, you can't do that once you have kids. Oh yeah. That kills me. It kills me too. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times people have told me, oh, you can't go skiing once you have kids. Oh, you can't exercise once you have kids. Or they tell you it's the number of kids. That's right. They say, oh, okay, you have one. Wait till you have two. That's right. Like, they just want this impending doom on That's you. Right. And you don't have to buy it, guys. 100%. You just don't. And, that's right. And we aren't buying it. No, we're not <laughs> buying it. Yeah, that's right. I want to stay fit. I want our marriage to be romantic and sexy. Yes. I want all of these things to get better. And these things each... have gotten better. 100%, without like, a way. doubt. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. That's so crazy to think about, Katie, as you're saying that. You know, I enjoy playing basketball now so much more than when I was a single guy. Like, it's genuinely gotten better. It's becoming more enjoyable. Going skiing is more enjoyable. That's just interesting. Yeah, I even think of our our personal relationship. You know, it's gotten more enjoyable. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And I think that kind of leads into 
our final takeaway, I think. And that's something that my mom used to always tell me. And that is the best gift you can give your kids is prioritizing your spouse Hmm. and prioritizing your marriage. And I just think it's kind of crazy. I read a couple blog posts today, just in light of this topic. And one of them was on childproofing your marriage. And the whole concept behind it was spend a lot of time together before you have kids. Because once you have kids, you aren't going to be able to prioritize your marriage. Hmm. And just that concept did it. That concept doesn't make any sense to me because you can't work on your marriage for five years and stock up. Yeah. And then have a child and expect all that quality time and all those special moments to just spill over right. the next two yeah. or three years. Right. Carry you through the next yeah, yeah, it season. It just doesn't work like that. You have to prioritize your marriage at every stage in life, regardless of how much quality time or, you know, exciting things you did before. Sure. And I heard a friend recently say we had to put our marriage on hold because we're going through a tough season and we're just too busy. And you just can't put a marriage on hold. Mm-mm. There's never a time when you can put a relationship in a stagnant little box and tuck it away. It's either growing or it's shrinking. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's so important that we still prioritize our physical intimacy, our date nights, going to a marriage retreat yes. every year. These yes. are things that we've committed to, to improving our marriage because it is a blessing to our kids. And I I just think that's so important. That is so, you're so right. And I think that you and I have both been the recipients of parents that did just that. I can rem- my, I've got very early memories, very young memories of my parents going on dates on a regular basis and investing into mm-hmm. each other and just growing that relationship. And as a result, as a young adult, I mean, I don't know if I could ask for a better gift from my parents than a stable, loving, romantic marriage that they've exemplified to me. I mean, that's a huge gift. And it's the same thing with your parents. It is such a blessing. And something that I realized as I've grown up is so rare is to have complete stability as a child, knowing that your parents are together for the long haul. And that just gives you such, such peace and blessing. And it gives me such peace and blessing. Now, I think a big part of why Elisha and I are able to enjoy such a vibrant marriage is because of what our parents have shown us in their lives. Yes, that's so true. And I think a lot of times people, because of social pressures or uh, again, Mm -hmm. of that peer pressure, they feel like they need to spend more time, you know, investing into their children in a very specific way. And so as a result, they forsake investing into their marriage. And I think that's something that's really common our day and age is making sure you've got all your kids and all of the possible programs and you're showing up at every recital and every sporting event. And I think both your and I parents said no to a lot of those things. I know that, you know, as a child, I wanted to play football, basketball, and baseball. And I wanted to ski and I wanted to play music. I wanted to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you can play music and you can play basketball. And I was bummed out when they told me that. But it's funny because years down the road, had they just kind of, I guess, um, conformed to what all the other parents were doing, which Mm -hmm. was putting their kids in all of the sports, all of the music programs, all of the whatever programs, then they would have been running around like crazy people trying to take me to all these events. And I think their marriage would have suffered from it. And so, but instead they were confident in their decision and saying, you know what, we're going to put you in this and this, and I don't care what other parents say. That's just something that I'm so grateful for. Yeah. That parental guilt, that is a really big thing. And I think it's, 
I never want to put that on other people. I just, I want people to know that like anytime we're sharing about something we do, right. it's because of a decision we've, we've yes. made for our family. That's right. And that doesn't mean that we're putting that on you or right. on anybody else. And I think that that, that's so important because the whole parenting thing is enough to figure out without everybody else telling you how you need to be doing it. Ultimately, I think we just want to communicate the joy and the blessing and the fun that there is in marriage and in family. 100%. Right on, you guys. Well, thank you for listening. I would love it if you guys subscribe to this podcast, and I really appreciate it as well if you left a review um, on iTunes so that we're able to start showing up more organically on people's searches. And uh, also, you guys can check us out on Instagram at Now That I'm a Mother or Now That I'm a Father. And of course, you can go to our website, NowThatWe'reAFamily.com to see other resources like videos and blog posts as well as um, this podcast. Right on. Well, hope you guys have an awesome day and uh, be looking out for our next podcast episode coming out on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.